Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. That's why I can beat my chest and I can say without any fear of contradiction, there's no one in the party, there is not a single person in the NPP who can say that I have asked him or her to support this or that aspirant. I've not done it. President Akufado speaks on the campaign to replace him in the new patriotic party, saying he supports no one. What does it mean to the campaigns, though, the various campaigns? Does that ginger them or disappoint them? Also coming up, Kumasi Metropolitan Assembly KMA continues its campaign against tricycles in the central business district. We'll tell you how the riders block the roads today in the heart of the city. And later on Eyewitness News caught hearing the Adisado College assault case. Suspends hearing to the end of the WASI. Meanwhile, the student at the center of the controversy, the one who allegedly assaulted he, the colleague, has denied the claim in open court. Stay with 97.3 CTF of this and many other stories on eyewitness news. There would also be business in some 50 minutes from now. The latest headlines. Bank of Ghana rejects claims of fiscal recklessness in 60 billion Ghana cities loss recorded in 2022. We get to hear from officials of the central bank assuring of financial stability despite this huge impairment. Indeed, Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the western region on Adrian Park 100.7 FM in Takwa, Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, and Sky Power 93.5 FM. Also in Takradi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyani. In the Ashanti region, we are on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi. Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajavu. VOV Radio 95.7 FM in Hohoe. In the Northern region, we are on Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM. We are also in Upper East region on Garu. Garu based quality 88.7 FM in Upper West on Tongsung 97.3 FM in Wa and Jirapa 96.1 FM in Jirapa. The show is live on YouTube, we are live on Facebook, we are live on citynewsroom.com and we are interactive. Join us on WhatsApp 0549 986 996 at Umaru Sanda or at City973. Let's set over details of our stories now. And the New Patriotic Party is looking for a flag bearer. There's a vacancy to replace Nanadu Danko Akufado, who has represented the party at the national elections since the year 2008. He won in 2016, repeated the victory in 2020. He is constitutionally barred from running again. The party now has to look through the various men and women that it has to choose somebody to hold a flag for the party into election 2024. The controversial part is, who does President Nana Adudankwa Kufado support? You recall the controversy around John Ejikum Kufuor's alleged support, which support he had never openly stated. 
Tonight, the president has been speaking about who he supports and whether or not he supports anyone at all. Let's listen to the president. He was speaking during an interaction with NPP party communicators. Again, the assertions, and it was made by your director, that by summing the party that uh, government is somehow allegedly, quote, intimidating or, quote, coercing party faithful to throw their support behind one of the presidential aspirants. And we have to be open about it. The allegation is being made that the government is putting all this authority behind the vice president. I want to say in very clear terms to you and to the world, it is a false and malicious narrative. There's not a single truth to it. That's why I can beat my chest and I can say without any fear of contradiction, there's no one in the party, there is not a single person in the NPP who can say that I have asked him or her to support this or that aspirant. I have not done it, and I know why I haven't done it. I have not set out to dismiss any MMDC or any political appointee because they are supporting a particular aspirant. No minister, no deputy minister has been thrown out of his job or even been threatened because of their support for their presidential, their preferred presidential aspect. The members of my cabinet who are openly campaigning for particular candidates, who are, who are not the, who's not the vice president, it has not affected their presence in the cabinet. There's been no indication to them whatsoever that somehow or other I am disturbed by what they're doing. It's their right. They're party people. They can make whatever choice that they want, like all of you. You're entitled to make your own choices. I have my choice. I also have a vote. Yes. So, and nothing, nothing has come from here. No caveat has come from this Jubilee House to the party across the length and breadth of this party. That candidate A, rather than candidate B, should be supported. There will be people who were, who were my supporters who will make a choice. They're entitled to. The fact that some, many people, perhaps the majority, I don't know, of people who supported me now support another candidate doesn't mean that they're doing so at my behest. They're members of the party. They're entitled to make their own decision about who they want to support. Does that, does that amount to intimidation or coercion? We should get away from that language. Our party is not that kind of a party. We know from the history of the MPP that a president cannot foist a candidate on this party against his wishes. We know this from what has happened before. We have never subscribed to a cult of personality in this MPP. That is not the principle on which we have organized ourselves. We've organized ourselves around ideas, not about personalities. Indeed, I remember very well our highly respected former president, the first MPP president, President John Ejikunku, for His Excellency, in the aftermath of my election, in 2007, when he came to address the Congress, 
spoke about the spirit of this party. I don't know whether any of you will remember the statement that he made about the spirit of the NPP, a spirit that cannot be ignored. That spirit continues to become there. Whoever is going to... Whoever is going to be the presidential candidate of the MPP is going to be chosen freely and transparently by 250,000 people in the Electoral College and not by President Okufuad. And not by President Okufuad. I don't understand why he could even look. What would be the purpose? of my foisting an unpopular candidate on this party. Is that a way to go to victory? Do I benefit from that? There's no benefit to me. I want a candidate who can win for us. And if that candidate cannot carry the party with him, how can he even begin the task of winning the country? I have just one vote, the same as any polling station executive around the country, yeah, in the same position. And I, I intend to cast that vote for the aspirant who I believe can best unite the party and who, above all, above all, can win the election of 2020. I'm looking for somebody who's going to be able to inflict a third successive defeat on this perennial NDC presidential candidate, John Dramani Mahama. Victory for the MPP in election 2024 and handing over to an MPP presidential candidate so elected by the people of Ghana. This is what I am working for. And I expect all members of this party to share the same goals. I assume that we all want to win the 2024 elections decisively. I assume that we are all looking for a situation where our parliamentary uh, candidates are going to form the majority in the House and that our flag bearer is going to be the president of Ghana. I accept and expect that there will always be arguments amongst us as to the way forward. That's normal. That has always been the MPP tradition. I've said it many, many years ago, and I'll repeat it. We are not a Casa Preco party. One person gets up, stamps his foot, and the rest, like sheep, follow it. That has never been the MPP. We've always believed in arguments and disputes and differences, but at the end of the day, we resolve these differences democratically, where the majority or where the consensus moves us. I think it's important for us to remember one thing. We are the heirs to the most, the noblest and most enduring political tradition in our country. So that's the president of the land, Nana Adodankwa Kufado, who became president on the ticket of the New Patriotic Party after trying in 2008 and failing 2012 and failing, having succeeded in 2016, and repeating that success in 2020. He's going to end his tenure on January 6 or January 7, 2025. The New Patriotic Party needs a new candidate 
to contest the upcoming general elections into the to form the next government if the party is re-elected. He says he has no interest in who. Of course, he has his vote, he says, but he will not declare a support for anybody whatsoever. Meanwhile, the candidates, the various candidates, have been crisscrossing the country. Ten of them cleared by the party to run for the special elections that are coming up later this month. One of them, the front runners, is Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia. He has been in the central region. Let's touch base with his campaign. Nana Komia is a former director of communications of the New Patriotic Party. He is the boss of the state transport company. He is one of the key spokespersons of the Dr. Baumia campaign team. Nana, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, sir. You, you haven't done this in a while, I, I reckon, having gone around the country doing campaigns. How is the feeling now, uh, going back to all the bases that you used to follow presidential aspirants and presidential candidates to campaign on? Well, it is tedious, but um, it can also be very exciting, especially when the reception from the delegates uh, is what you expect. Mm. And what's the reaction from delegates like? Of course, when you remember that delegates are supposed to be feared, how are you treating them and how are they treating you? The response from the delegates... Nana, can you hear me? Nana, can you hear me? All right, we'll try and re-establish connection with Nana Komia. Um, they're in the central region. The line is not that good. We, we try to re-establish connection with them. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we'll be back after this break. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Before we went on the break, we are trying to speak to Nana Komia, uh, who is with uh, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia campaign team. Nana, we, we lost you there. I was asking you how the delegates are are responding to your message, uh, bearing in mind that they are supposed to be feared. Well, the delegates are responding extremely well. We have been to Greater Accra, uh, Ashanti region, Western region, and we are now in Central region. We hope to finish Central region tomorrow. Uh, we've just done three constituencies today. We are on our way to the last constituency, which is Gomorrah West, uh, in Apam. That response everywhere has been extraordinary. Particularly in Ashanti, I was particularly struck by the reaction of the delegates in Ashanti because um, seven of the gentlemen in this contest are from Ashanti. And so I wasn't expecting the kind of reaction that... Uh, Dr. Bamiya got in all the 46 uh, constituencies in Ashanti. Extraordinary. And um, as for delegates, well, uh, it's, not, it's the people who lose who say that you should fear them. I don't believe we are losing. I see. Now, what is Dr. Baumia's key message to delegates as you go around? Well, the key message is that he is the best person to break the eight, uh, so to speak, for the NPP. You know, the NPP, they have uh, the traditional strongholds, the voter region, 
the northern region, uh, and then the the, the Zongo settlement. Those, those have been the NDC strongholds. Uh, we talked about Mia. We believe that the NDC, the northern region of the strongholds, those strongholds will be threatened. It's the best person to reach across the NPP traditional strongholds and reach across to the NDC strongholds, particularly in the northern region and in the strongholds, and um, take votes from there. And is the, the best person among the 10. If you look at the northern region, for instance, there are 31 constituencies, and now there are three regions, but when you combine them, uh, the 31 constituencies, NPP used to have four of those 31, and then they used to have two. No, no, uh, it seems we are losing you again. Um, it's really a tricky oh, line. Okay, I, th I think it's better. Try that again. Let's see. No, too bad. We, we, we've we lost Nana Komia again. Uh, this is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let me bring the messages you've been sending through. Um, Nana Komia, let me see, is former director of communications of the New Patriotic Party, head of the STC. The convoy that he's with, the Dr. Baumia campaign team in the central region, is in motion. And as you would uh, anticipate or expect, the network is a bit problematic. So we are unable to continue with the conversation. Uh, we'll try again later to see if we can touch base with them. For now, though, let me bring... Uh, do, do I have him? Is he, is he clear? No, okay, let me go on the uh, WhatsApp platform and bring some of the messages that you have been sending through. Baba Chairman in Tamale says, uh, the president has, in unequivocal terms, settled the issue of whether he supports a candidate against the rest. And anybody who still goes to delegates and makes such erroneous claims is simply out of touch with the reality. Alex from Abetifi says, Nana Kufado may have a favorite, but it's not prudent for him to make it public. Echo Etri in Shy Hills says, with how he has managed the economy so abysmally, who tells Akufado's MPP will come again, uh, any close to winning the general elections? How I wish NDC didn't win either. Both parties are truly not good for Ghana. They take turns in looting the resources of Ghana. Alan Inchantan says the president is entitled to his choice. What is important is that the party should ensure a level playing field for all aspirants. Jones Adboyinla says, um, Mr. President, we don't need to consult the oracles to know who you are supporting. In any case, they will be better off without your endorsement. Do send your message to 0549-986-996. That's a WhatsApp number. You can also go on Twitter and drop your message using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. We'll be touching base with the other campaigns. Um, because as you do know, the party is frantically, and I'm referring to the New Patriotic Party, is frantically looking for a flag bearer. There's a plan to have a congress uh, at the end of this month where the party would choose five out of the f ten uh, to go into another contest that would be uh, held in November, after which a main candidate would be uh, chosen. Let's go to the Alan Kwajo Chamantin campaign team. Yao Boabina Samoa, incidentally, also a former director of communication for the New Patriotic Party, took over from Nana Akomia. Uh, he was member of parliament for Adentang. He's joined us on the line. Uh, YB, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. 
Asimo. Thank you very much. I was just speaking to your former boss, Nana Komia, there. Uh, they are in the central region, the Baumia campaign trail. Where's yours? Uh, my former boss, twice running. In 2012, I was also deputy director of communications in charge of research. And then uh, I was again deputy director of communications uh, under him. So he's my former boss, twice. He, and he didn't manage to whip you into his, his line? No, this line is in the wrong line. <laughs> I'm sure you know. I'm sure he'll make you kneel down later and knock your head. But uh, <laughs> so he he's he's in the central region with Dr. Baumia. Where are you with your boss? Uh Alan uh, we, are moving, we are moving to a Shanti region uh, on Monday, the seventh of August. And we'll be there uh, up to uh about six days uh, in the Ashanti region. Uh, we have in our cluster meetings. So right now, we are in Accra. Uh, and and the cluster thing is, for people who don't know, where you group constituencies and meet them one at a go. Exactly. That, that, that's the design we decided will best help the party, bring some dynamism, galvanize us, uh, and make us feel good. And, and so far, so very good on that point. So we bring constituencies together. Uh, they organize themselves. They pass themselves in. They engage. They interact. Uh, uh, they, they literally get to know each other and, and find out what others are doing in their constituency. And then we speak to them uh, together. It, it's quite an interesting process. That may save you. Cluster. That may save you time and resources, but do you not think that going to the constituency, meeting them in their base, is better than, you know, inviting them to meet you at a centralized location? Not necessarily. We thought through it very carefully. Uh, what I realized is that this is a season where the party is literally suffering a bit of uh, uh, confidence crisis, literally. Uh, uh, given the situation we have on hand internationally and impacting our economy and all that. So so you wanted to do something for the party rank and file, revive their spirits and get them to stand up. And, and once again, own the party uh, with confidence. So if you go to them individually and uh, you meet them privately, constituency by constituency, then you still have a situation where the community is excluded. The community will see that you've come to meet party people. The party people will keep whatever it is that they had uh, to themselves because they still haven't developed confidence to deal with the public. With the clusters, the, the public sometimes are also part of the process because some of the meetings are in the open air. So the, the public hears what's going on. And people come around. It even sometimes turns into a mini bazaar. You have all manner of uh, vendors, food, uh, water, all manner of things. Uh, uh, clothing, uh, paraphernalia. It, it's a very terrible public interaction. It's very interesting. People come around. The public is there. And, and they feel part of the process. So, so it's a way of reviving the spirit of rank and file of the past and demonstrating to the public that we are still dynamic, we are still interested in retaining power, and we do have the means of retaining power. I see. How is the GTP campaign being received, the Great Transformational Program uh, by Alan Konyo-Chamantin, or that message is for the larger Ghanaian audience and not necessarily the core base of the party? It's for both. Uh, 
for the for the narrow party, you have confidence that you have a leader who is thought through what he intends to do, and he's put it on paper so you can interrogate it and satisfy yourself that he has a vision. Because part of the criteria for picking your next leader is that he should have a vision both for the party and for the nation. So it's reassuring that your your leader, your potential leader, already has a vision that's on paper can be dealt with by yourself and by the larger population. And, and for the larger population, it satisfies their hunger for, for something different, for change. Because really, what we need now is change, not the usual. So so that hunger for change means that the Ghanaian is looking for solutions, a leadership of solutions. And the critical need now, the critical need that's looking for a solution is how you expand opportunities and access to the vast majority of Ghanaians who are ready and willing to put their talents to work but don't have spaces and openings. So you need somebody who can create structures with openings for jobs and incomes. The GTP offers that space, creating for jobs, for incomes, demonstrates that the structures are there, that the spaces are capable of being created for the larger majority of Ghanaians. So, so that solution-based leadership is what Ghanaians are looking for. Malanchia Martin has demonstrated through the GTP that he has the solutions for Ghanaians. And if it's for Ghanaians, then the party is reassured because the party is taking him to go and market him to Ghanaians. Ultimately, it's not only the party that votes. All of Ghana will vote. So the GTP is a message for all of us. When you talk about saving Ghanaians, saving them from who? From yourselves? Because... You are the ones who are in power. You cause the problems that you want to save us from. How are you able to disintegrate yourselves from the governance uh, which you are trying to save us from? You know, I'm talking about solutions. When I say saving Ghanaians, I'm talking about prospective solutions. I'm not saying our governance is bad. I'm saying we've had issues. We've had difficulties and there are no doubts that we've had difficulties. At the moment, we are going through a very difficult uh, situation as far as uh, governance is concerned, especially in the economic area. So generally, we have difficulties. Nobody is doubting that. We've also made a lot of progress. We've made major headway in delivering on the social sector, in delivering on the areas that have advanced uh, Ghana. And, and therefore, we are not saying that the Alain campaign is divorced from governance. No. But it's prospective. We are saying that there are solutions needed, apart from all that we've done. That's something I, I sometimes say on the campaign trail. I say that uh, President Kufo offered us the opportunity to have larger families by giving us free maternal health care. Nanadu, President Nanadu, has come in and educated all those children before afforded us. Who is to give them jobs? Alan Samatin. Because the products of free SHS have a million qualified, trained people, not fully skilled yet in terms of exactly what they do, but qualified and trained uh, through formal education, are coming out onto the job market. What are the jobs? You need to extract that problem. That is the problem we are going to solve. That's why you need a problem-solving leader. You need to entrust the leadership to somebody who is experienced in creating frameworks and spaces for jobs, for incomes. 
And Alanji Martinez demonstrated that he's the man for that. He's the most recent being the African continental free trade area. This is something that's being hailed Africa-wide and worldwide as a new opportunity to create jobs, to create incomes for a large majority of, of uh, Africans, driving production, appropriate production relevant to Africa. Production that will be consumed in Africa by Africans and also, of course, for export. And all that creates incomes, creates jobs, stabilizes economies because it means that uh, forex dealings and all that in terms of our European-oriented uh, 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 consumer markets will change with time. It's the same person credited with the PSR. It's the same person who's been involved with the 1B1S. And you had the finance minister in parliament say that 1B1S, we have 123 factories running, uh, having created over 150,000 direct and indirect jobs. These are permanent sustainable jobs. And, and it's something we can point to and show that it's been done. And over 100 factories since independence, I don't think any government can point its fingers at its chest and see that I have created 100 factories. It's been done through the Nanato government with the under the supervision of Mr. Martin. So, so the problem I'm talking about is that our democracy is mature. We now need to, the political democracy that we have is mature. We now need to tackle the economic space. And that is the solution that we are looking for a leader to be with. And Alan Martin is the man. Interesting. Uh, before you go, your candidate was described as the establishment candidate in the 2007-2008 contest. I don't know how that panned out, even though it was not a formal communication from the president at the time who said he endorsed him or otherwise, but it was used generally and to date it is it has been thrown around. Today we have a sitting president, an MPP president, who is going to hand over in 2024 he has said he also doesn't support anyone. Is that good for your campaign, bad for your campaign, or you are indifferent? It's amazing how the world works, isn't it? That uh, years ago in 2007, Mr. Martin had to suffer the difficulties of being identified, whether by perception or uh, omission or commission, as the establishment candidate, coming with a lot of detriment. And now... Somebody else is suffering the same thing, and the president feels compelled to come because, uh, frankly, <laughs> establishment candidates don't do well. <laughs> and whether uh, it's apparent, whether it's perceptional, whether it's, uh, like I said, by omission or commission, it is clear that the race ahead of us uh, has a favored uh, establishment candidate. So uh, I'm happy. His Excellency, the President, has categorically stated that he will not support anybody or he is not supporting anybody. But the President is an individual. It's a whole establishment. And the establishment is clearly supporting someone. <laughs> so, who is the establishment supporting? Alan Chamantin, of course, because he has a track record of establishment support. Do I have to tell you who the establishment candidate is? I mean, if you go by the president, if he he's enjoyed establishment support in the past, it's only logical to think he's still the one enjoying that. No, uh, Mr. Chematin is not the establishment candidate. Mr. Chematin is, is going it alone. He's going it with delegates. He's going it with the logic of of his contest. I mean, I mean he, there, there's so 
logic to his contestation at the moment. Uh, and so that is what is driving him forward. Uh, that naturally, given all the circumstances, what the party is looking for, service to the party, service to the nation, his own personality, and, and, and all that. Mm. When we talk about establishment candidates, we often talk about establishment advantage. Um, and also those who are not establishment, the disadvantage. Are you suffering any disadvantage from the establishment in your campaign? See, when when you do establishment politics, on the face of it, you tend to assume advantage because it would appear that all the elements are in your favor. The uh, elements associated with incumbency ease of movement, all other uh, resources and authority over those who are exceptionally uh, apparently uh, uh, managing the process and, and being part of the process, influence uh, in a position of authority. Uh, all those things are the advantages you are talking about. But the bottom line is that those advantages uh, may, on the field of it, appear useful, but when you'll be in charge for 16 years, you are no more useful. Mm. When you'll be in charge for 16 years, you are no more useful because <laughs> what what is there that's going to happen again? That hasn't happened already. People thirst for change. And like I'm saying, the challenges are new. The challenges are different. People are thirsting for a different kind of leadership, a different kind of solution. So so, so the apparent benefits, the apparent uh, as you called it, uh, what did you describe it as? Advantage. Yes. The apparent mm-hmm. advantage of being an establishment candidate is wiped out by, by the need for dynamism, by the need for change, by the need for a new view, a new look, to deal with new problems, new issues. As we mature, things come up. You solve one problem, another problem pops up. Now our biggest problem, like I said, is creating spaces for, for people who are willing and able to secure those spaces and, and grow in terms of dignity, labor in dignity, their incomes, their jobs. That, that's what grows society. People have dignity from labor, uh, self themselves, entrepreneurs, work for others, and then they do all the other social things that come with an income. That's how you grow a society. Ghanaian society needs to grow. We need to move beyond the narrow space where government literally controls everything and move beyond to the larger spaces where the private sector, including the informal private sector, uh, is, is enabled, brought into play, uh, so that individuals, groups of people, uh, are able to generate resources through the activities that government facilitates. That new challenge is what people are looking for a new leader to deal with. And that leader, undoubtedly, is a legitimate. Thank you so much, and wish you all the best, sir. I'm grateful, Omar. That's uh, Yao Bwabina Samoa. Uh, he is um, a member of the Alan Kwajo Chairman campaign team. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Um, if you're just tuning in, the basis for the conversation tonight is that the President Nanadudan Kwakufado met with party communicators and uh, said that he does not support any of the candidates.
That's why I can beat my chest and I can say without any fear of contradiction, there's no one in the party, there is not a single person in the MPP who can say that I have asked him or her to support this or that aspirant. I've not done it. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Yeah. Let's go to the Ashanti region now. We brought you a story yesterday about the city authorities. They're trying to take remove tricycles from the central business district. That continues today. Enu. Tricycle operators in the Ashanti region are escalating their protest against the directive to restrict their movement in parts of the central business district by the Kumasi Metropolitan Assembly. The tricycle operators who have massed up in their numbers are heading to areas where the enforcement team from the KMA is visiting. Nine tricycle operators reported to the police this morning after they were arrested and granted bail when they clashed with some city guards from the assembly yesterday. The leadership of the Pragya Workers Association of Ghana says the reasons given by the assembly to restrict their movement are not convincing enough. Ayamdago Amadi Dauda is secretary of the group. They are, they are now clearly sucking us from the central business district for us to go to the highways for the cars to kill us more. Or oh, they are rather looking for the betterment of the Praja. Are they looking for the betterment of the Praja? Because this decision will not help us, but will rather expose us to more risk rather than their decision that they are trying to minimize the accident we have been doing in the central business. The question we want the KMA to answer, since the existence of the Praja in the Kumasi Metropolitan Assembly, what policy, what bylaws have they come out with to regulate our movement? When you go to Bibieli, when you go to Tepagoso, when you go to, uh, uh, when you go to Bejem, the authorities plus the police and the associations of the motto, they've come out with a unique sticker, a unique code for the motors so that they can regulate their movement. When a motor goes to commit an offense, when you pick that serial number or that code, they can call the database of the authorities. Then they will be able to identify that this motor is coming from this area. So therefore they can control. But unlike Kumasi here, we don't have that. They are only interested in banning. And that banning, the method they are using will not help us, but it will rather expose us. I am Daguamadi Dauda is the secretary to the tricycle operators in the Ashanti region. Let's speak to the city authorities now. Uh, Randy Wilson is the transport manager for the Kumasi Metropolitan Assembly. Uh, Mr. Wilson, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, you started this campaign and yesterday there was protest. Today, another resistance. Are you sure you can succeed? Well, uh, I'll say a big uh, thank you to you and your team for uh, getting in touch with us and wanting to hear our part of the of the story, and then I say a big thank you to also all your listeners. Well, the question is: Are we going to succeed? Uh, to me, I will say the tricycle operators will obey the rules that the assembly has set up, and then go according to the rules that have been set 
And if there are any grievances, they come for us to sit and talk about it and then do things in a way that will go to the benefit of the assembly, the tricycle operators, and then the traveling public. And at the end of the day, we will all succeed in doing this. Uh, I say that we are human beings, and therefore, when policies or issues come up, we should deal with them as such and not resort to the use of force or not, I mean, so uh, machoism in such situations, but rather sit, draw, draw, and then find solutions that will make our lives better. The city authority is there to plan and regulate activities for its citizenry. And so, therefore, once a while these things come up, you take decisions and you go ahead with it. I'm, I'm happy he mentioned that you go to Sunyan, you go to Beijing, you go to Techiman, and it is there. It means the people over there understood the engagement and they went with it, and that is what has happened. Maybe in, uh, in Beijing, the tricycles there are just uh, a few, okay? And they can easily be identified. But just imagine the volumes in Kumasi. We have tried over the period to look for them, although we all know tricycle operations for commercial purposes. It's an illegality. But we have tried over the period to look for them, look for their leadership, and see how we can get them. And it's shaped in such a way that there are some standards and regulations put in place to guide their activities. But you call today, it is these people. Tomorrow, somebody says uh, freedom of association. Another time, uh, no, we are not coming, and that sort of thing. And so it's been a lot of difficult getting them. But then, this idea of bringing a tricycle in, like this, brought up this news in Ghana, is as a result of a transport reorganization exercise being carried out by KMA. We started this about a year or so ago. Last year, 1st September, the mayor engaged all transport operators. We're doing the same tomorrow. If you have a reporter in Kumasi, let the person come to the Premier Assembly Hall tomorrow at 9 a.m. The mayor does this every quarter with the transport operators. So on the 1st of September, we had a meeting. We agreed to reorganize transport services. But then on the 29th of April, during the assembly meeting, the assembly members said that Tricycle operation is gradually gaining ground in the country, in the city. And so, therefore, if we are thinking of reorganizing public transport services, we should add the tricycle operators to it. Okay? And they said that we should ban the activities within the central business district because the CBD is already choked. The second thing is that we are reducing the number of taxis and trotters and those. So add that of the tricycle operators into this. And it just came in on the 29th of April. Last week, Thursday and Friday, there was another General Assembly meeting. And over there, for about 30, 45 minutes to an hour, the discussion on the, was on the tricycle operations. And the decision was, let's go ahead, implement this ban. If there are any issues, the tricycle operators will come. We will set down, we will set standards, we will set boundaries, we will set regulations to help us manage within our area. Although at the national level, their operation is illegal, 
the General Assembly accepted to do something about it. And so to me and my team and the Assembly, when we met the transfer of protest, we agreed on a few of these things. And we expected that they will go ahead, obey them. When they obey and they are feeling issues, we'll sit down again and shake things and then we'll all be happy at the end of the day. Okay. And so if you ask whether we are going to succeed, I know we will succeed. And then we, the assembly, the taxi, the thoughts for the long distance, the cargo, the tricycle operators, and the passengers will all win at the end of the day, and Ghana will win. Let, let me, please be in, on the line for me. I want you to uh, stay there, because I want to ask the tricycle operators why this is not um, the way they are seeing things. Uh, so if you could kindly stay on the line, I'll, I'll be grateful. Okay. I am Dago, great. I am Dago Dauda, a secretary of the Pragya operators uh, in Kumasi. Uh, Dauda, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. The city authorities say they want to sanitize the area. They have outlined their reason for doing that. You are engaging in an illegality. They have been tolerating you. They want to sanitize the system. You are not allowing them. Why? Good evening to your service, Yeah, we, that was uh, this last month, June, we were served with a letter to have a meeting with the KME. We attended, and when we got there, they only gave us a directive that we are trying to limit the movement of the fragile operation in the central business district. Then we asked them to tell us our offenses that we are trying to do that to us. Then they told us that they only call us to give us the direction. They have not called us to give our opinion. Then that meeting ended it that way. Then on the 5th of July last month, they talked again that they were having a rotating meeting with us. So we attended it at the KME, the Evan Rose. That was where the meeting took place. Then when we went, they started with the road safety campaign. Then along the line, they surprised us again with the, you know, the demarcation that they want us to, you know, desist from coming in into the central business system. So we asked them if they would be kind enough to tell us the of the cost that they are expanding the project from the central business system. Then they told us that the city is congested. So therefore, the assembly is undertaking a decongestion exercise. Then we told them that we are all in Kumasi, and we know go in there. So if I say the central business is congested, and we are going to undergo a decongestion exercise, then start from us. When you go to Accra and other places, when the trotter load from uh, a certain point, unless the trotter gets to a bus stop, it will not stop at any place to alight or load passengers. But when you come to Kumasi, a trotter who is loaded from Mambote will stop on the road from Mambote to KTR runabout, or to Fort runabout now, and of load passengers and load. They are crossing the most low. When you come to KTR, where the KTR phase 2 is taking place, when you are coming from the uh, supermarket, that's the VIP city, coming to uh, two Fort runabout, you realize that part of the road being given to market women and other hawkers, even when the construction is going on, they should start those hawkers so that they will be able to, you know, free the market. Then when you go to uh, Boss FM, that's from Edum 
headed to Otun Bora and about. You realize that the KMA has given uh, the total drivers the chance to stand on the road as a station. They've taken part of the road as their station to be loaded. So we raise this concern that they are prepared to start from those places. When they are able to, you know, start them from the city and their return goes slow, we, the private operators, will appreciate that we are those concerned and we will agree to go to the new site and work. That was our concern we raised to them. They have no reply. So we gave them a formal letter on the 18th of July. After that, we made a follow-up. Then it was that the KMA boss is not around, but the letter has gotten to the director's office. Up to now, they have not replied as formally. I see. Now, what that means is that you will continue to operate, despite what they have said? Well, the KMA, they have their authority to do what they are trying to do. But we are pleading with them. They are demarcating. It means, or in one way or the other, it's just a total ban of the project operating in the, in the, in the city. Because that demarcating they've given to us. They are rather telling us to go to the highway so that heavy vehicles will even kill us more than what they are saying. Because when you take Kinyang and Kuma, uh, for instance, they are banning the project from highway. But when you come to Kumasi, they are rather banning the project from the central business district and asking us to go to the highways and operate. Based on their demarcation, that is what they are telling us. All right. Thank you for speaking to us. Uh, that's uh, Ayam Dago Dauda, Secretary of the Pragya Operators in Kumasi. Let me conclude with uh, Randy Wilson, who is with the KMA. Randy, under what law are you operating, by the way, by asking these people to do what they are doing? Because they say that there are bigger corporates that you should be dealing with, the, the commercial bus drivers, you've ignored them and gone for them. Okay. So... You see how he responded to that issue. There is congestion in town. There are crashes in town. There are issues in town that we need to deal with. And we need to deal with them one group after the other. Okay. And what he's saying means they are ready to comply. But go and deal with my neighbor before you come to me. But in my submission earlier, I told you that the transport reorganization is something that has been going on for some time. They only came into the picture just on the 29th of April. And so, therefore, these people that he's mentioning, I'm pretty sure if you ask him if he's ever heard of any taxi driver being arrested or a cargo vehicle which is parked in town going beyond the, the limit that is supposed to go, he will tell you yes a couple of times against that. So already we are working on the taxis, the trotters, the long distance, the illegal stations and those things. But this time, the whole reorganization thing are the tricycle operators, and that is all. And that is what we are doing. He is asking us to go deal with these people, and if there is still congestion, that we come to them. He's forgotten that their activity is purely illegal in Ghana. And if our laws were to be used and obeyed. They shouldn't even be in existence. But the city is being lenient in trying to continue your business, but then get yourself restricted to areas that won't let the city be able to move. The city center should be able to breathe. It should be easy for people to move, go, and come. Okay? So whoever is there, we are restricting activity. You are a new one that is coming into the system. The taxis, the photos that he's mentioning, we've given them 
locations on the street. Yes, there's an on-street project that we launched back in 2016 or something, and it's been there. This came about when we finished KJTR reconstruction. KJTR, before the construction, could take about 1,000 to 1,200 vehicles. But after reconstruction, we have only 108 slots. So less than 10% of the former KJTR capacity is what we have now. And because of that, there was a proposal for the on-street stations to put some of the taxis and trotters on selected streets so yeah. that they could provide service to people within the city. Okay. And that is what they are mentioning, that there are illegal species on the street. But it is something that the metro security, the regional security, know about it, and it is it's there. Okay. If they obey the instructions now, and we get to see that, oh, things have been streamlined, okay, then such a place, we can earmark and give it to the tricycle operators. Right. Give them four slots to be here. Let these people also be at this end. Let those other ones be here and there. And then we all are able to move. Let's move forward quickly. Now. Let's move forward quickly. Yeah. Um, do you have an, a KMA bylaw that says no okay. tricycle? Yeah, you asked about a bylaw. Do you have one? Traffic act. Yes. The LI-2180, the national level. No, is, are you using uh, the yeah. LI or the bylaw? Which one are you the working on? LI says uh, tricycles are not supposed to be used for commercial purpose, the first one. No, 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 one, no, no. The KMA bylaw, you, uh, the Airman Passenger Transport Services bylaw. Says what? Tricycles, that... yes. Tricycles are not supposed to provide commercial services. No problem. That's a general yeah. crime. I'm talking about yes. this, your decision not to let them enter the central business district. What law are you working under? Because you are not banning tricycles. You are preventing them from entering certain spaces. I'm saying what law are you working on? The uh, under? assembly has the assembly has the uh, power to come out with policies and programs to help plan and manage the city. Okay, so that's what you are doing. So it is a policy plan, yes. not a law. Let's leave it here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's uh, the transport manager for the Kumasi Metropolitan Assembly, Randy Wilson. I know has some other stories. The case involving the alleged assault of a final year student by a colleague who has been adjourned to September 27, 2023 to allow the accused write the West African Senior High School Certificate Examination. Parents of the two teenagers were in court to witness the case, including members of the general public, but due to the sensitive nature of the case, it was held in the judge's chamber. The accused did not admit to the charges leveled against him. The case has thus been adjourned by His Lordship Eric Ohineba and Tribuesiakung to enable the teenagers to write their final exams. This is News on 97.3 CTFM. Up next is the latest in the world of business. And then we have Point Blank. On Point Blank tonight, my guest... As the head of the National AIDS Commission, uh, we are coming to have a conversation around HIV infections and death. While we're talking about COVID-19, apparently HIV has been doing its own thing in the background. We'll be sharing some of the statistics with you and the prevention plans, plus the campaign by the commission. Please stay. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ni Lati Lati. Let's settle for the details now. 
The Bank of Ghana has strongly rejected claims that the 60 billion Ghana cities loss it recorded in 2022 was because of fiscal recklessness and unsound policies. It reiterates that the loss was due to the government's domestic debt restructuring activities and the depreciation of the local currency, among others. Some sector players have blamed the Bank of Ghana for its own woes, insisting that much could have been done to salvage the situation. But the central bank at a media engagement today refuted these assertions, insisting that the consequences would have been more dire if the domestic debt exchange was not carried out. Stephen Opata is advisor to the governor of the Bank of Ghana. It's important we make it clear that the losses are not due to uh, bad policy or optimal policy, as you try to allude. Uh, that's quite clear. We, we, we try to explain the sources of the losses, okay? And, and, and we have numbers to all of that. Uh, so the country has decided that the path of its debt was not sustainable. And, and we have to get to a path of sustainability. So I think it's important that we see this as part of the reform agenda that we've agreed to do under the IMF ECF facility. <coughs> if we didn't restructure this debt, I'm not sure we'll be sitting here talking. The Bank of Ghana is a residual of the debt restructuring exercise. We are taking a loss because of that. And it's not because of bad policy. I think that has to be put on the table very clearly. That's advisor to the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Stephen Opata. On his part, the head of research at the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Philip Abradutu, made the point that despite this huge impairment, the central bank is still committed to strictly rule out measures to ensure that its profits are retained to ensure financial stability. In the key message, we've been impacted by the DDEP. We acted as the shock absorber. The DDEP has been the main reason for what we are seeing. And then there's a plan to restore back into positive uh, uh, territories as we move along. Despite the negative equity, we will continue to be policy solvent. Um, that is, we will continue to chase our mandate of inflation and ensure financial stability. Dr. Philip Abraduotu is head of research at the Bank of Ghana. The government is making effort to finalize all domestic debt restructurings by September 2023. City Business News is learning that the plan includes concluding the dollar-denominated domestic debt exchange program, cocoa bills exchange program, and pension funds by the end of next month. Furthermore, the government is actively pursuing a successful engagement with the independent power producers for a program and as soon as possible. Away from that, and the management of GCB Bank PLC has reiterated the bank's commitment to deliver better customer service to its clients and the business community in Ghana. The managing director of the bank, Kofi Adomako, who gave the assurance at the ceremony to launch their 70th anniversary in Accra, today says the bank is committed to upholding its long-term integrity as one of the institutions with the largest customer base in the country. The anniversary celebration is under the theme 70 years of providing arrived financial solutions towards the socio-economic developments of Ghana. GCB will have to consider a regional and pan-African bank role in meeting the needs of its customers. Over the next few years, as we soldier on to attaining a century of banking, our strong and expansive branch network will complement our digital channels 
in our digital agenda in providing unparalleled services to our communities and retail clients. We will further deepen our environmental, social, and corporate governance, governance risk compliance, and our corporate social responsibility agenda as we look forward to building this great national asset. You had Managing Director of GCB Bank PLC, Kofi Adomako. Moving on, mobile communication giant MTN has announced robust first-half results despite facing current economic challenges. During the 2023 Investor Conference, the CEO of MTN Ghana, Selom Adadivor, revealed that the company achieved a remarkable 33.2% growth in service revenue, amounting to 6.2 billion Ghana cities in the first half of 2023. Additionally, Momo revenues experienced an impressive surge of over 48.8%, contributing to 1.3 billion Ghana cities to the total revenue. In 2023, MTN Ghana has already contributed 3 billion Ghana cities to Ghana's revenue mobilization. Presenting these achievements, CEO Selom Adadivo emphasized the company's commitment to sustained growth and development in the telecom sector. We're not there yet, but certainly a lot of effort has been put in. And we've come through a very difficult quarter that saw us leave Q1 at year-on-year growth rate of about 23.2%, but get to 32.3% at the end of Q2 on a cumulative basis. And this is in fact an excellent performance, and I just want to give a lot of credit to my team for continuing to believe, continue to be committed, dedicated, and making sure we show confidence in the abilities and capabilities of the business. The drivers of this growth, data revenue growth for the half year at 21%, voice revenue growth at 14.4%, and I'll come down to the middle line, the middle row right now. More money on the, on the left side, 48.8%. Selom Adadivo, a CEO of MTN. And finally, the UK's development finance institution and impact investor British International Investment, BII, has launched the Growth Investment Partners Ghana. This new platform, which will be supported with a commitment of up to 50 million US dollars from BII, will provide long-term flexible capital, primarily in local currency, to small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs, in Ghana. The announcement comes during the Foreign Secretary's visit to Ghana as part of a four-day visit across the continent to reinforce the UK's commitment to boost long-term economic growth in Africa. Chris Chijotomi is the Managing Director and Head of Africa at the British International Investment. We know how important SMEs are to the Ghanaian economy as they create jobs and make a significant contribution to the country's GDP. However, SMEs face many challenges with accessing growth capital through traditional funding sources, including high interest rates, short-term loans, high collateral requirements, and the currency mismatches. BII has created GIP as a unique and lasting solution that is not limited by typical fund investment horizon, which will enable the company to become a true long-term partner for Ghanaian businesses to fuel their growth. Now, GIP works by providing flexible capital of between $500,000 to $5 million, and primarily in local currency, which will help to overcome some of the challenges in financing SMEs and provide what the sector needs the most, long-term, 
funding that supports business growth and recovery from the macroeconomic headwinds that we're currently facing today. Now, GIP's funding will be provided through a variety of financing options that meets the capital needs of local businesses here in Ghana that is otherwise not available. That's Managing Director and Head of Africa at the British International Investment, Chris Chijotomi. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ni Lati Lati. Up next, let's point blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amado. Tonight on Point Blank, we're talking about HIV and AIDS. The Ghana AIDS Commission, under the presidency, has been engaging in various campaigns over the decades. Tonight on Point Blank, we're focusing on the fight against HIV because there are some statistics. There's a latest uh, report released by the commission which report doesn't look good at all. We're told 9,000 people died just last year. From HIV and AIDS. And a lot more happening in that area. My guest in studio is Dr. Cheme Etiahini. He's the Director General of the Ghana East Commission. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Omar. If you could just kindly come close to the microphone, I'd be happy. Okay. Yeah, how are you doing? Very well. How Thank how long you. have you been with the commission for? I mean, Ghana's commission. How long? Uh, like, is this is it, have you been with them for like a long time or? Yes. Okay. Since uh, first first January twenty twenty three. Wow. Oh, then you are new. Twenty. Oh, sorry. Two thousand and three. Two thousand and three. So, so, that's twenty years ago. Yes. Wow. Wow. And how how has it been like with the commission? The stigma at the time, I'm sure, would have been worse than we have now. Is it reducing? Yes, is but it, it hasn't changed significantly. Stigma is still a major challenge uh, for us, and unfortunately, um, we see a lot of stigma even in health facilities. And that is more concerning because they are taking care of people living with HIV. And if uh, they approach their work, you know, on the basis of uh, stigma or stigma uh, discrimination, then 
it will drive people who need the services underground and prevent them from accessing the services. So these are the workers or the patients? So would it be the health workers who do the stigma? Yes, some of them. And I must admit that a lot of investment have been made in that area uh, where we've tried to make uh, the health facilities uh, persons live with, living with HIV friendly, uh, key affected populations friendly, and so that you know they can have uh, services in a stigma-free environment. Okay. But uh, you know there have been a lot of uh, staff changes in the health facilities, transfers, some leaving the country. And we do not have the resources to retrain uh, people who come in uh, and give them the proper orientation. So mm -hmm. they come in with, you know, the mindset, the negative mindsets about HIV, and they tend to exhibit I see. some of the stigma-related you know, behaviors. Uh, let us talk about the measures you're putting in place to deal with the stigma, the various campaigns you're running. But what is the state of the, you call it prevalence rate? Yes. So what is that? And what are the latest statistics covering? HIV prevalence uh, is currently at 1.66%. What does prevalence mean? What the prevalence means is actually the rate of uh, um the uh, let's say the proportion of people who live with HIV in the country, and it's and one so point what one point six six. So, so one point six percent of the thirty two million Ghanaians yes are living with adults adults, adults okay. aged fifteen to forty nine. Okay, why why not why not up to sixty or seventy? Right, uh, this is the um, statistic we actually uh, use for uh, determining the prevalence. Okay, but that doesn't mean people beyond um, forty-nine are HIV-free. No, so we have data on the number of people who live with HIV in the country who are above age forty-nine and below age fifteen as well. So this one percent, one point six percent, represents what, in terms of numbers? So uh, I, I will have to look at that, but I, I think the the best information I need to provide at the moment is okay. what is the total number of people living with HIV in the country? Okay, that's fine. And Which includes those above forty nine exactly. and those below fifteen. Exactly. Okay, and that's and what number is that? That's about oh, it's almost three hundred and fifty five thousand. Uh, this, the exact more number, than a quarter of a million. Yes, exact number is uh, three hundred and fifty-four thousand nine hundred and twenty-seven. And this as and of when? This is as at the end of twenty twenty-two. Okay. And the uh, sex breakdown uh, gives us one hundred and fifteen thousand two hundred and thirty-five for males and two hundred and thirty-nine thousand six hundred and ninety-two for females, and uh, age. Disaggregation also shows that children under 14, 14 and uh, younger, uh, 24,712, and 15 years and above, 
is 330,215. This 354,000 persons living with HIV, is this a high number or a low number based on what analysis you've been doing in the past? Looking at the trend, is this high or low? Well, uh, I would want to see zero mm -hmm. uh, persons living with HIV in the country because um, the higher the number, the more challenging it, it becomes for mm. a country. So, so the reason I'm asking this question is that if it was one million ten years ago and it has come down to half a million five years ago and it's now a little over a quarter of a million I'm seeing progress. Okay. That's what I mean. Are we seeing progress or retrogression? Is it increasing from, say, the, let's say 10 years ago it was 100,000 and now it is 350,000? How is, is it climbing or reducing? That's what I mean. Okay. Let me put it this way. Uh, HIV is lifelong disease. Once you acquire it, you will live with it for the rest of your life. So which means that if uh, HIV, the numbers have to reduce two things must happen. One, some of the HIV, uh, persons living with HIV may have to emigrate from the country to reduce the number okay. or die, Okay, you know, so that the numbers come down because mm -hmm. uh, without any of these two, you are not going to see the numbers coming down. Mm -hmm. Now, with antiretroviral treatment, persons living with HIV are living longer. Okay. And therefore we are uh, expected to see an increasing numbers of people living with HIV if new infections remain high okay. and AIDS deaths decline. Okay. Uh, and so so that, the number will be high. Okay, talking about new infections, how is that looking? New what do you have to new, new infections, infections have remained uh, significantly high in the country. Uh, over the years, although we are seeing declining trends, but the level of trend is uh, uh, below the appreciable limit that we would want to see. For example, the, in 2022, 16,574 people uh, became infected, and it was about 18,036 the previous year, which okay. is 2021. So that's a reduction. So that's a reduction of about uh, 2, 000. Um, eight, eight, uh, eight point, uh, almost 8.4 percent. Okay. All right. Uh, but our target is to have 17 percent reduction every year. I see. So which means we have a deficit or gap uh, in uh, HIV new infections. Uh, so far as uh, declining uh, numbers are concerned. Okay. And so it is important that we reduce new infection significantly, mm -hmm. I mean, to the barest minimum uh, in order to achieve epidemic control, especially if that must happen along with, you know, uh, uh, significant declines in ACE deaths. Let's talk about ACE deaths now. What's that number looking like? AIDS deaths in 2022. 2022. 22. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me. It's, it's fine. It's, it's okay. been a long day. A lot of numbers <laughs> in your head too. Sorry. Yes. So mm. 2022, 9,359 people died of AIDS. And 
that is worrying because in this day and age, nobody should, you know, have advanced HIV disease or what you call AIDS. Okay. Uh, never mind dying Why? of AIDS-related causes because we have treatment. Antiretroviral treatment, first of all, uh, boosts the immune system. Uh, it actually helps the immune system to regenerate and fight off, you know, uh, suppress the virus and fight off all kinds of uh, uh, opportunistic infections. And so with antiretroviral medicines, uh, we, we see viral suppression, which uh, gets to the undetectable level. And at that stage, the person uh, will not transmit the virus to his or her partner uh, sexually. And we also see that there is uh, no disease progression, and so there cannot be any HIV advanced disease, and, and so there will be no AIDS-related deaths. And this, this number of AIDS-related deaths makes AIDS one of the leading causes of death in the country, and that should not be. But why are we having advanced HIV disease? It's because people who have HIV, some of them have not tested. They don't know. And often they don't even, sometimes they don't even go to hospital. Or when they go to hospital and they are not diagnosed, then they will live with it and it becomes difficult for them to know the cause of the illness. And they, when they have advanced disease, then they begin to spiritualize it. And before uh, it gets worse, uh, that's when they go to hospital again to see if there can be a last-minute, you know, um, solution. remedy, solution. Uh, and when it is too late, when um, you are at the last stage of, uh, of HIV infection, uh, your chances... Uh, can be dire, mm -hmm. although antiretroviral medicine can help you recover. Uh, some of them don't make it. And, and so everybody has to know his or her HIV status. And it, 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 the knowing of the status and the testing, is there no stigma around it? it? Could that not be the reason people do not want to go and do it? Yes, but the stigma has no uh, basis. HIV is no longer a death sentence because of antiretroviral treatment. You can have a normal life. You can live, I mean, normally like anybody who doesn't have HIV. Okay. You can have your normal lifespan uh, if you adhere to the treatment. And especially if you become virally suppressed and you maintain the viral suppressed status by taking your medicines daily as, you know, directed or prescribed, you will have no HIV-related uh, illnesses. But, but, but still, it's easier for you to say, but it's very difficult for people to walk into the hospital and say they are coming to test their HIV status, isn't it? So what, yes. what options are there for people okay. who may be shy so, to go? So uh, now we've introduced self-testing. Okay. Uh, self-testing uh, is for free uh, if you receive it from the community-based distributors 
or the online distributors. Uh, if you go to some pharmacy shops, you may uh, find them, but you have to pay for it. Okay. But the program ones are for free, at least up to the end of this year. So that is giving people, especially the underserved population and hard-to-reach population, to have access to uh, test kits and so, test themselves in the comfort of their homes. So you can go to, so where do I go to? Ace Commission or I have to go to uh, the Chiefs compound in my area? Where do I get yes, it if I wanted you, to? you can get it in some of the um, uh, Chiefs compound. Uh, there are also NGOs who are working in the communities who and are distributing. distributing. And you can also go to the pharmacy and buy a test kit. Yes. Is it like that? Not all of them sell tef HIV test kits. Okay. But some do. But So it means there is there are test kits in Ghana. If you want to, just like we have a pregnancy test kit that exactly. you can buy and take home and exactly. test Exactly. So we launched the campaign just a couple of weeks ago okay. uh, to create the awareness and demand for uh, self-test kits. Does it require you to prick yourself and take out blood to test in your room or you urinate like they, they do with pregnancy? How do you test yourself yes, at home? Yes, there, there are uh, invasive test kits which you, uh, uh, which requires, you know, uh, blood in for the testing. But mm -hmm. what we have is rather an oral swap. Okay. So you just swap uh, the your upper and lower gums with the kit. Oh, so you put and something, you put the thing in your mouth? In your mouth. Okay. Yes. And so I'll run it around your gums. Like the way they do the COVID test. Exactly. Okay. And then you, it will show you what to do, uh, to do the test, how you should read and interpret the uh, results. And you can do all of this in your own room alone? In your own room. How long does it take for the test kit to tell you? Do you, do you have a rough I if idea? If you do it well, mm -hmm. it's within 20 minutes, you okay. should uh, see the results. All right. Let's move on. So people can go grab test kits if they want. Antiretroviral anti drugs, you've talked about them. Are they easy to come by? Do we have enough supply in Ghana? Are they subsidized? Currently, we have enough supply. Uh, and they are provided by the Global Fund. Okay. Uh, government also provides some, uh, but is you know uh, it doesn't come frequently. Okay. Uh, our partners, the Global Fund, uh, provides uh, antiretroviral medicines for one twenty-five thousand of the population of the HIV population, okay. which is currently one hundred and fifty. Uh, sorry, three hundred and fifty-five thousand. So government is supposed to provide for the remaining 225,000 uh, so that we can have full coverage. However... Um, government is being government. Don't say it. Let I, me say it I, for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And yeah. so we often ration the medicines and we often run short of them. We are rationing antiretroviral drugs in Ghana? Yes, Sometimes. What does rationing mean? You come what to the it means is that uh, we have a policy of multi-month uh, scripting, which means every person living with HIV is given six months allocation of drugs, especially when they are stable. Stable means they are not having any challenges, uh, whether um, side effects or having their organs being affected by the 
uh, the drugs or any other thing. Okay. And so they can have their medicines, you know, for a longer period, six months, and then they come back to refill. Okay. Uh, and rationing means we don't, we are not able to give them the six months allocation, maybe three months, two months, or one month. Because sometimes, the supply is not enough. Exactly. So sometimes even come to two weeks or wow. one week. Wow. And uh, that, that, that has, and doesn't help with your, with your fight. No. Let's conclude now. Um, we have a minute to go. What's the one thing you want Ghanaians to know and maybe duty bearers? So we leave. Well, what Ghanaians should know is that we have the right strategies, we have the tools, we have the human uh, resource capacity in the country to enable us achieve the 2030 targets, which means ending AIDS and achieving epidemic control. And achieving epidemic control means that HIV will no longer be a public health threat in the country. We have everything to achieve this within this decade. However, we have huge funding gap, as I've just explained. The people who live with HIV, their continued existence depends solely on daily intake of antiretroviral medicines. If they, we run short or we do not have the money to provide the medicines, it's like, you know, people that are on oxygen, eh, who... Who don't have supply? Who don't have supply of oxygen? Or oxygen is taking off them, mm -hmm. and then the, obvi the obvious end is death mm -hmm. for them, and it's the same for people living with HIV. When you and talk so about funding, you are a commission under the presidency, aren't you? Yeah. You don't get your budgetary allocations. No, currently there is no specific budgetary allocation for the HIV program itself. Every now and then, maybe once a while, we get something from the NIH. Uh, NHIS. NHIS. Uh, that is the Ministry of Health um, use its share of the NHIS. But process. don't you have an annual budget as a commission? We have budget for the commission's for, operations. Okay, for running, not for the HIV not campaign. Not for the HIV itself. And that is with the funding gap is about 66, 67%. Uh, our donors expect not only Ghana, all countries to provide 60% of the funds required for HIV. Uh, and they will provide 40% because they are also having a financial crisis and their funding has continuously reduced. And so currently, the donor funds are all together is about 33% of what we need. So the gap is huge. So the gap is huge. And we need Ghanaians to support. Otherwise, we are going to see reversal of the gains that we have made so far. Mm. And lives will be at risk. Mm. And uh, we will not be able to reduce new infections as we have, you know, purpose. Let's and therefore, let's, mm. we have as a commission, you know, come up with a USS code, which is star 9898 hash. You dial and follow the prompt and donate to the ACE fund. Star 9898 hash. Hash. Yes. Star 9898 hash yes. to support the HIV campaign. 
Yes. To prevent risks of life. Thank you so much for joining us in studio, sir. You are welcome. That's Dr. Chairman Etiahini. He is the Director General of the Ghana AIDS Commission. My name is Umaru Sandama, production by Kobna Wilson. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night. our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.